0: Burns in Gambo starts now. No, 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 no. Straight up to a clock. On this Friday afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns, alongside the one, the only, John Gambadoro. i Gambo. Burns-y, what's going on? Uh, oh, my God, my boy. I just can't wait to get to 6 o'clock. i got to rest my voice uh, this weekend. Oh, my God. My voice is shot, no, shot, that was, shot. That was like the vocal equivalent of what's slipping on ice right up? there. It's oh, like, whee! Man, there you just, go. The Burns and Gambo Show. <laughs> I do it all the time. <laughs> man, I just, yeah, I'm mean, going to try to get through to I got four hours to go, and then I'm going to rest my voice for about for two days. Hot tea, lemon, Hot honey, tea, something lemon, like that. Yeah, we'll, yeah, see, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what I've Champagne, trying, that, man. I've been trying that. could uh, hook you up with. We are live. Man, this, is, this is great, isn't this, it? This is real cool. You know what? I, I can't believe how cool it is. Like, I'm really surprised at how cool it is. Like, I walked in here, and I'm, you know, it's a bowling. I didn't, we haven't done remotes like this in forever, you uh-huh. know? Yeah. So we're out here at uh, Champang Lanes. Champagne Lane. Champagne. Champ- Champagne. champagne, champagne like So they got a, first of all, they got a cool bar. It's an unbelievable bar. And then there's a lot of food, like a lot of sushi and stuff. Like they've got uh, sweet potato yummy fries and Beijing pork rolls. And they've oh. got uh, bulgogi beef nachos. But they've got like a bunch of sushi, too. And it's a bowling alley, but it's not a regular bowling alley. It's called like duck bowling. Duck it's bowling. like these little balls. Little balls are like bocce balls. Yeah, like bocce and, balls. And, and, and the, the lane is about half as long, and the pins are about half as tall. Yeah. And the balls are like oversized bocce and balls. And we bowled an entire frame. Neither one of us got a strike. No, <laughs> no you beat me. Uh, congratulations uh. on beating me. But it was it was fun. And this, I mean, this whole area of town we're just a tick north of downtown downtown Phoenix. Yeah. So we're like Second Street in Garfield, just south of Roosevelt. Yeah. Um, and I, there's all sorts of cool stuff around here. We're going to be here until six. This is a Sunday. It's brought to you by the, by Michelob Ultra. We invite you to come on down, join us. If Every we, lane is open right right. right? right? If it's early, here, yeah, yeah. you know, you want to come on down. Have a couple of beers and uh, or a couple of drinks. They got four. Uh, they've got um, pinball machines, four pinball machines. That's yeah, fun. Got a bunch of lanes that are open. If you've never done this before, come check it out. Listen to the show. Get me some hot tea and lemon on your way because I, I don't know if I'm going to make it the next four hours. <laughs> we're, but we're, what a fun place! It's no, just. How, how would you describe how to get here? I, I would. I would say we're just north of downtown Phoenix. It's a second street, just south of Roosevelt, Heck. and I mean just south of Roosevelt. Just come grab a lane. They got yeah. six lanes. It's a lot of fun. They got food. They got beverages. Is. Let's go. All right. Sounds fun. Please yeah. come and see us. We look forward to it. We'll be here until 6. Let's weigh in with our top story of the day here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. The weigh in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss.
1: Look for to Durant.
0: Here's the three. Off the back to Durant. Not good. Long rebound. Save it. Chris Paul. Try a three. Shoot Man. Down it. He's on fire. <laughs> he is on fire. Chris Paul was on fire last night. He uh, attempted... Tied a career high in three-point attempts with 12. That was a career high in makes in seven. And the Phoenix Suns needed every single one of those and some Kevin Durant stuff as well in the fourth quarter to survive a Nuggets team that was sitting all full of their guys. Yeah. That was a really lackluster game last night out of the Phoenix Suns. You know, I, I thought the, the the halftime show, they did a really good job of really breaking down what the problem was. There was no interest in that basketball game. <laughs> oh, that was it. You know, they, that was it. Yeah they did a really good job of that, and that's really what it came down to. I mean, I was I was watching the game this morning. Obviously, I was at the Suns game last night. The D-backs game. The D-backs game. I was at the D-backs game last night, and then I got back this morning. I watched the Suns game, and you get to halftime, and I'm watching it, and like, everyone's playing pickup, trying not to get hurt. The bench has no rhythm. Tough to get motivated in a game like this. Yeah, exactly. That's it, in a nutshell. Hard to get motivated, man. The playoffs and a chance to win a championship is right around the corner, and you're Playing this game and they've got none of their starters playing, and it's hard to get up for it. Yeah. Now they, they get you know they won they did what they, they they won the game, but it is very difficult. Schedules matter, and when you are playing a schedule now at this point where the, you know you've got nothing to play for, they've got nothing to play for. Man, it's hard to go out there and play your A game. And I don't want to make excuses for them, but at the same time, I get it. I I, I understand. I mean, like for for what you and I do, okay. Like I think about it back in the day and when. We don't, we don't have to deal with this anymore. But back in the day when we used to end our show early because of a really early East Coast Diamondbacks game, remember yeah, those days? Yeah. And we were on the air for like an hour and a half. Man, we'd come in and, and we'd still do the best we could, but it was not quite the same as doing a full four-hour show, right? It just lacked a little bit of that oomph because you just knew you were going to be done at 3.30. It was like it was like when you had a half day at school. You're know, like with early release at school and you got to go home before lunch. Those are always the best. Days because you knew it wasn't really a day, right? Right. You, you weren't really going to school. You were going to go hang out with your friends for a few hours in the morning. And you were really gonna going to be home by school. lunch, right? I was never really going to school. <laughs> okay, but I get you. Bad, bad example yeah. to tell the story with you. But Monty Williams said, "Look, it's again not making excuses. It's just kind of human nature." I do understand. <laughs> competitive edge of high-level players. Uh, I think there's a, I don't know what you call it, but when you see that many guys out, human nature, whatever you want to call it, sometimes you drop your guard, you drop your edge a little bit, and, and then their backup guys and a couple of their guys, who's, one guy who starts, started playing well, and that turned us on a bit. So I, I get that part, but as we're trying to build some synergy and rhythm, you just want to see more consistency like we did in OKC down the stretch and in the fourth quarter. But you're right, was no intensity. I think the word Wolfley used earlier was bored. They looked bored last night, and it was kind of boring watching it, if we're just being honest about it, because we all know what's about to be on the line in a week, and we know what's not on the line. So I ask you this question, and I, and I want you to think about this. Okay. Is there anything to take from last night's game? No. Nothing at all? No. Not even Chris Paul's performance as an indicator of what he might be asked to do come playoff time? Because that was the only thing I thought of I, but I think he's been playing well for a long stretch now yes I mean I think that, that that's who he is right now he you know we've talked about that the other day the light at the end of the tunnel he smells the championship I mean it's right there it's on his fingertips he could feel it he could taste it he could smell it and uh, he wants that title really bad so you know he's, he's he played at a high level last night it, all those threes were just wide open man there was nobody like nobody near him on those threes I, he got the switches he wanted he wasn't guarded it was uh, it, it was fun to watch but no, I don't take anything out of that game. You know their reserves played pretty well. I mean Bruce Brown, you know he was pretty good with the thirty-one points. And you know Reggie Jackson, your guy, Reggie Jackson my came guy. up with uh, came up with twenty. But they, you know, they didn't play anybody. So the, the fact that they had the lead in the fourth quarter a couple different times, I don't really take anything out of it. I'm, I'm like, oh my god, this is it's alarming. Uh, that's something to be concerned about. Not nah, it doesn't mean anything. No, and I, I didn't mean. I, I know you look at this. There's any takeaways? I get it. I get it. And, 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 and I mean, Chris was really the only one I could come up with. It wasn't about the team. It wasn't about how they did or what they did against Denver or, or Devin Booker's struggles. I don't. I don't worry about Devin Booker. Nobody numbers. got hurt. Fine. Nobody got hurt. That's just takeaway. Nobody got hurt. I, I just think, and that's a I, that's an important one. But I, I just think with Chris, we've talked so much about Chris the last couple of weeks, and you're right. His numbers, even before last night, I just ran a search real he's been, quick. He's been fantastic. His last nine games, not including last night. His last nine games, he's shooting 41% from three. His catch-and-shoot three numbers have gone way, way up. Now, if you factor in last night and you look at his last ten games, Chris Paul's shooting 45% from three. And that was a problem for him all year. Yeah, all year. He's not shooting a three well. He's not shooting a three well. He's not shooting a Especially three. early, it was a problem and last year yeah. against Dallas, he didn't even want to take it. And now I think he's understanding, like, hey, I'm going to get these wide-open shots. Yeah. I'm and- going to Hall of Fame. i got to knock these things down. And I'll give you, it's a stretch. I'm straining a little bit. I'm, I'm reaching. But that is the one, other than nobody getting hurt, because that's the most important thing. That's the yeah. one thing I look at that game and go, because I know come playoff time, I think defenses are going to try to take Booker away. They're going to try to take Kevin Durant away. And I think Chris Paul is going to, it's going to be up to him, A, to make the right read, as he did last night in the fourth quarter. Three straight possessions. He knew exactly where the ball needed to go. That's one. And number two, when that shot's open, pull that trap trigger pull it go get it take that shot because i think he's gonna have that shot a lot now i think a lot of guys in the games that i've seen have been somewhat hesitant to take the shot since durant came back because it's like man i got kevin durant devin booker chris paul why am i taking the shot chris paul's not like that chris paul's not like that i'm gonna shoot it i don't know yeah. i'm not i am not going to think twice about it yeah i just i always worried about him because he's so pass first you know he's so yeah. he'll shoot it but he's always looking to find the better play well, look at his assist numbers these last few games aren't they down pretty much? Yeah, let me look again. He's had a lot of like single-digit assist games in these. Last night two, the yep. night before three, yep. the game before eight. Yep. He had thirteen against Denver a week ago. Let's go back a little bit more. Six, ten, uh, seven, yeah. thirteen, four. Okay, go from the seven on. So seven, seven ten, seven? six, thirteen, eight, three, two. Yeah. Five out of seven under ten assists. Yeah. Yeah, uh, two, three, six, seven—an average of about seven assists per game. Yeah, that's if you not, look it that's, up the last not, seven, he doesn't need to be the thirteen assist guy anymore. Yeah, seven. Oh, this that, is fascinating. He doesn't seven, need to be that guy. Seven assists per game, and over that stretch, he's averaging about five and a half three-point attempts per game, almost yeah. as many three-pointers shot as assists in the game. I think we're going to see more of that out of Chris. Yeah, because you've got to see more because of Kevin that Durant this. adds an element to the passing that makes takes a lot of the pressure off of Chris. All right, just real, real quick. Uh, the Suns have. Already ruled out their four starters, their four main starters for tonight against the Lakers. No Paul, no Eaton, no Booker, no Durant. They've all been ruled out. They won't play. Okay. No surprise. No surprise. No surprise at all. And I'll probably play uh, a little bit in the final game of the season. We'll see. Yeah. When we come back, last night was also the home opener for the Arizona Diamondbacks. We were there, and the same problems were there as well. That's next on Burns and Gambo
2: and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader.
0: Phillips looking for the save. And he'll get it with that strike three call to Lewis. Two end tonight's ball game. The won it. The home opener for the D-backs, 5-2 our final. Just real quick, before we talk about the game that we yeah. were both at, um, we know that we are going into our final days of Al McCoy as the voice of the Suns. Yes. It uh, should also be repeated that we are also going into our final season of Greg Schulte as the voice of the Suns. Called his final home opener yesterday. Yeah. Got to talk to Greg for just a second on the field yeah. yesterday before the game, and uh, boy, what a career. Since the inception of the team, the voice of the team on the radio going into his final year for retiring right it's uh I know Got, you know you, you, you know I've been here for so long now, and you know I you think about Jude LaCaba's not you know doing the shows uh, the show anymore and Bruce Cooper and, and you know Al McCoy and um, Greg Schulte. And, man, so many, you know, people that you grew up listening to. And, you know, in my early years, right, was Tom Dillon. But so many people that you're just so used to being around and listening to and hearing and part of your lives on a regular basis that when they're not doing it anymore, it's kind of sad. Yeah. It's kind of sad. Yeah, but it's also life, right? You know, it's, and it's life, just, yeah. that's life. Mean, yeah, and yeah. That's how things go. And so yeah. you just kind of, you know, I know they're doing a special Suns Day for Al on Sunday against the Clippers. They're going to honor him because that's his last regular season game. And, of course, I'm sure the Diamondbacks will be doing special things for Greg all year long, and that soundbite just reminded me. I wanted to say something acknowledging Greg going into this final season of his as the voice of the Diamondbacks. That said, Diamondbacks lose to the Dodgers yesterday by a score of five to two in the opener last night. Dustin May was good, six innings, two runs, one hit, walked two, struck out five. The Dodgers bullpen was good. They couldn't good. figure him out. They couldn't. couldn't Dustin, figure him out. They could not figure Dustin no. May out. They just couldn't. Good could they? You know, as in the game, you know, I was really paying attention to the pace of the game, and it was very fast. Pace, you know the fifteen seconds, and then twenty when somebody's on base, and just watching all of that. And he was working very quickly and very efficiently. But man, when you're not getting anybody on base, it just it was a, it was a, it was a rough game to watch. You know, up until the Diamondbacks threatened and Rojas almost hit a three run homer to, to tie it, and it was just a little bit foul. That was the best chance they had. Yep, had two guys on, and Rojas belted one down the right field line. It was almost out, and we got up out of our seats and we thought it was going to go. They end up losing the game five two dustin may was a big reason why but the diamondbacks offense has you know really struggled in that game and has basically all year yeah this is Tori, and we're going to have our weekly visit with tory lovello coming up in about 10 minutes or so here on burns and gambo the offense right now just not
1: performing how we hope second time in a row um their starting pitchers seem to seem to um throw a pretty good game against our offense um you know, I want to give credit where credit is due, but I feel like, um, given the fact, I think it was 13 or 14 innings that their starting pitchers now throwing against us, and I feel like we 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 um, where we got to get to and where we're going, we got to find a way to win these types of games and, and beat these types of pitchers.
0: Wanting to give Dustin make credit, but not wanting to give him too much credit, right? A, a gentle tip of the cap, but not a you know also applying a little bit of pressure on his team. Hey, guys, we got to do better. Right? We, we got to do better than 214. That's what they're hitting. So far, as a team, they've scored 21 runs so far this year. Take out the eight they've scored against San Diego; they've scored 13 runs in six games. In that regard, in that regard alone, it's almost a miracle they're three and four on the season. It is, you know. And Nick Pecora yeah. pointed that out this morning in the Republic, but he's absolutely right. It's almost a miracle to think that they're three and four so far on the season. Yeah, you like know, you just, you know, you're, you're waiting for this offense to explode, and it's supposed to be better because they've got more balance, more right-handers. I haven't seen anything out of Goriel. No, nothing. Um, Lewis pinch hit last night for Alec Thomas didn't do anything when he came up to the plate. So Goriel struggling. Alec Thomas doesn't have a hit. Doesn't, have, doesn't have a hit. Now the biggest excitement in the game last night to me was McCarthy's triple. Watching him get from you know go from home. I, I had my buddy Andy um, from British Airways. He flew over from London and he went to the game with my wife and uh, and my son and me. We went to the games we, we had him come with us and, and and he asked me, he goes, Is McCarthy as fast as Corbin Carroll? I go, It's close. Ka- Corbin's faster, but I'm telling you, it's really, really close. And then he hit the triple and he looked at me and he's like, Oh my God. Oh. Just oh my it's God. Like he's got watch wings. Him, it's like he's got wings. He's so fast. He's so fast. And you know what? I we, I don't know that if we've ever interviewed him before. We had him on the show yesterday. I was playing catch with Tori Lovello on the field, so I didn't get to do half the interview. You <laughs> did it. But I thought he was a really you know, really good kid. You know, really 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 fun to have him <laughs> it on. It was fun it was fun to have him on. And and boy, he was the, the group I was with my wife and two of my friends and but we all just kind of looked at each other like man he just flies around those bases but to your point Gabriel Moreno hit a buck seventy six. Marte buck seventy nine. Um, Corbin Carroll two twenty two. Alec Thomas doesn't have a hit. Goriel Junior one seventy nine. Kyle Lewis one thirty three. I mean, we just do this all day long, right? There, guys. Longoria's hitting. Walker's kind of hitting at two forty. Josh Rojas two eighty six so far in the season, but it's not yeah. enough. And and the thing about it is, is that's I will say that's the one thing. It, there's they're not going to have a lot of pop all year. That's just not how this team is wired. You can't you they, you can't expect them to score a ton of runs via the power because they just don't have a lot of it, which means they've got to get on base to kind of generate what their strength is, the base stealing and the chaos and all of that stuff. They're not getting the hits if they're not drawing the walks and they're not getting on base. Th- there's really yeah no way for this team to be able to score those runs because they just don't have a lot of three-run home runs sitting nope. on the bench, right? That's just not how they're built, no. No, they're not Oral Weavers Orioles. No, you're you're right. And the walks that you brought up, that's that's fascinating too. Just a lack of walks, right? They're not getting deep enough into the counts. I mean, they're very aggressive. Now, you thought with the the Varsho trade, you know that you know obviously he added a catcher, and he's going to you know expect him to be very good. He's not hitting yet either. And Gabriel Moreno, um, Goriel was the guy that you thought might be able to come and add some pop. We haven't seen it yet. Now, I will say, you know, I, I feel differently about the offense than I do Madison Bumgarner. Like I have a very short leash with the. Offense. I'm not going to sit here during a week into the season. You got to bench Goriel. You got to bench Alec Thomas. You got these guys got to play. They got to get out of it. You know, one, three, four. You go two games where you go three for four, two for five. Your batting average goes right back up. So you got to give these guys opportunities to break out of it. You can't start benching guys now too early in the season. And again, kind of like the the excuse making thing we don't want to do that we were talking about in the last segment with the Suns. Um, we also have to face facts. So far in the first week of the season, they face Julio Arias, Dustin May twice, Clayton Kershaw, Hugh Darvish, Noah Sindergaard, right? Like, it's, yeah. it's been uh, as far Very as... Pitching. The as, Dodgers pitching is great. Oh, the Dodgers pitching is fantastic. Yeah. And, and the, the, every guy coming out of their bullpen, hard thrower, hard thrower, hard thrower, right? Like, it just doesn't seem to stop with them. And so, uh, I, I we'll, we'll talk with Tori about this. Again, not giving him a pass, not giving him a break. It's got to be better. And I think that's what Tory's message was last night. Like, okay, we get it. It's Dustin May. He's good. We can still figure this out. We can still figure out a way to scratch a few more runs. And there were opportunities for them last night in the sixth in the eighth you mentioned Rojas in the seventh what he wasn't able to do with that foul ball that i thought I would same thing stood up i thought he had tied the game and it just hooked foul at the last minute um, they've had a rough start to the season when it comes to the quality of starting pitching that they face and that cannot be ignored as part of this equation no but if you want to compete for a wild card spot you're gonna to have to be good pitching yes. there's a lot of good pitching in the major leagues okay. and you know you can't use it as an excuse just because guys throw hard or you know just you, you got to find a way to battle and Now, Merrill Kelly last night was... He was good. He was. He wasn't great, but he was good. There was a, that crazy play with a run scored from third, and the, the ball got by first base, and nobody backed it up, and uh, you know that was just a mistake on the uh, uh, defensively. But other than that, I thought he pitched a good game. But almost when you are going up against the Dodgers, you go up, You almost got to be perfect to keep your team in the game. Texas, your thoughts right now on the FanDuel text line at 620-620. When we come back, the skipper of the Diamondbacks believes his offense will come around. What are the reasons why it has yet to happen? Tori Lovello, only on the Burns and Gambo show next here on Arizona Sports. Your exclusive home of the D-Backs. d
2: Arizona Sports. The local sports leader.
0: D-Backs manager Tori Lovello joins Burns and Gambo to talk D-Backs baseball. Our weekly Friday visit with the manager of the Arizona Diamondbacks, Troy Lovello, joining us here on the Burns and Gambo show. Troy, happy Friday to you. Welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing good, guys. How are you? Good, good. Skip, I, I know you didn't get the results you wanted. Bear with me. I'm losing my voice right now. But uh, probably from screaming for, for you guys to get some runs last night. But you had to be happy with, with the attendance. A sellout. So many fans. I know there was a bunch of Dodger fans there. But, man, there was so many Diamondback fans. It felt probably felt really good to have that sellout and play in front of a packed house.
1: Yeah, nothing better. I've always maintained that when when our fans are in this stadium and it's full and or near full and they're cheering for, uh, it's the loudest venue I've ever been in. And you know what? It was so great in the seven-minute seven stretch. I could hear V-backs over the Dodgers uh, when, when they're talking about who you're rooting for. And, you know, that gets tiring after a while. But um, we know our fans are out there. we just got to uh, earn, earn them back and, and, and get them back by playing good baseball. And we feel like we're very close to doing that. You know, it's, it's
0: unfortunate you're, you're facing great pitching to start, and the Dodgers have so much of it. And I know you didn't want to give too much credit to them, and you want to put some pressure on your guys to deliver. But Dustin May was really, really good last night. He made it very difficult on you guys.
1: Yeah, you know, when you're, when you're throwing 99-mile-an-hour sinking fastballs, 100-mile-an-hour forcing fastballs, um, with some good secondary stuff, it does get challenging. Uh, But you're right. I know that you heard a little bit of my message. It sounds like you heard a little bit of my message. I I respect every major league pitcher, especially when they're feeling it, that they're going to go out there and shut you down. But I believe in our guys just a little bit more. And I know that we can counter punch. I know that we've been training for these moments when we have somebody that's live and hot and shutting us down. Uh, You know, at least least give ourselves a chance to score a couple runs. We did that, but I feel like we should be a little bit better in the long run and, and we will get there. We're very close. We're playing good baseball, not our best baseball. Um, and I'm pleased with where we're at, but we got to find a way to beat guys like, like Matt
0: yeah and I, I gamble mentioned the start that you're off to with the with the different starting pitchers that you face so far you you're never you're never going to have a lot of power in this lineup at least not the way it's constructed right now. I saw some comments from Mike Hazen. so I got to imagine this brand of small ball that we've seen out of you for the first week of the season that's the way for you right I mean that's going to have to be the way for you at least early on with the way the roster is constructed
1: with the lack of power correct well yeah I think all 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 good managers. And, and you know actually all good all good um, people that are management position manage the people that they have and you know I'm very very aware of who we have what it looks like what the strengths are what their limitations are and I'm not going to try and set a, a round peg in a square hole I want our guys to go out there and play inside of their capabilities and see what that looks like so you know it's 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 one sound it's it's one symphony but everybody's playing individually and they go out there and do the best that they possibly can on on a given day. And, yeah, I would love to have everybody be able to walk up to the plate and and slug home runs. It's just not possible. we just got good baseball players that are good hitters, and we understand what our, what our identity is. And Our identity is to get on base, cause some problems, and then get the big hit.
0: Tori Lovello, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. I, I ask you this question on behalf of me and, and a few others that I've, I've heard from, all kind of wondering the same thing. Corbin Carroll not batting leadoff. What's behind that decision for you and the crew, Tori?
1: Uh, well, he's clearly um, one of one of the fan favorites. He's clearly one of our favorites inside of this clubhouse, and he's the clubhouse, and he's one of, our, of his teammates' favorites. You know, I just don't want to put extra pressure on him, and I know it's a pressure pack game. He's going to migrate north. There's no doubt about it. Um, and I know that the listeners are probably thinking, well. Doesn't matter if he's hitting sixth or, or fifth or first. Um, it's the same type of pressure. I I do agree with that. You know, but young players tend to put a little bit extra, um, a little bit extra in those gears when they're if they're hitting the top of the lineup. And I just want to give him the chance to get fifty, seventy at bats in, and then see where he's at, and then just migrate him there at that point in time. So it will happen. It will definitely happen. And I, you know, I'm not not to say that that this is a pat lineup. We know that we're, we're a little bit deficient in certain areas. So yeah. Maybe juggling the lineup would be good. But I don't want to start to bounce guys around, especially at the young age, like uh, at Corbin's young age. I want to give him a chance to just get some foundation and then migrate to where he belongs. That calls
0: to mind a question that I know Gambo asked you a few weeks ago when we were still in spring training about Corbin and the contract and the extra pressure he might put on himself because of that contract. Is that part of the rationale, too, when you talk about him not wanting to
1: press and put too much pressure on himself? It could have been. I was keeping a close eye on that. I mean, that's my job, and it was one of the first things that I told them. You don't have to justify this contract. It was given to you because you've 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 played in that on that level, and we feel like that's going to be who you are, rain or shine. So don't put extra pressure on yourself to to make that a good contract. It will be a good contract for everybody if you do what you're supposed to do. So I tried to outline that the best that I could. But still, you just don't know what's going on in a young player's mind that that gets that type of a deal. And I just wanted everything to settle down. I just want things to simmer for a little while. And I know, I know, you know, this there's, 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 the strategist part of me is saying this is the right move, and then the fan part of me is saying, them up there and get them as many at bats, help us win some baseball games. I got to balance that out. It'll happen. It's just a matter of it's, it's a matter of when. And I want to make sure that once he goes, he stays there for the rest of his career.
0: How much are you putting into the at bats? Like Alec Thomas doesn't have a hit yet, but man, I thought he had a couple of really good at bats last night before you pinch hit for him. And I, you know, even going up against May, I think he fouled off like three. You know, he's just he was almost on, and he was right there. So with the guys that are struggling, how much do you look at not the out that they made, but just the at bat that they had?
1: Yeah, good point. Uh, yesterday was probably one of his best days. He had like seven or eight pitch walk. And then he covered a fastball 107 miles an hour directly to the center fielder um, after a great at-bat. So it's a process for him. And once again, he's a young hitter, and, and he's getting pitched to, and he's making his own adjustments subtly inside of each at-bat. And when you see little wins like that, it's a, it's a good day for him. But the frustrating part is you don't have the results you want. When you're when you're looking uphill and you haven't gotten the hit in 10, 15, 20 at-bats. All you want is a base hit, and that'll just get your day started and get your day going in the right direction. But it just hasn't happened yet. It will, but he's worked on so many things, and he's just in a really good spot. I want those results to happen for him so bad, but he's got to keep pounding away. That's how this game is. Do you think it's
0: fair to say that this is a big start for Madison Bumgarner? I know it's only the second start of the season, but he had a, a rough first outing. He had a, a really bad end to last year. Is, is this an important start for him?
1: I think every every start for all of our guys at this point in time are really really important, and yeah, you know, I I know from, um. Didn't, didn't necessarily throw the ball uh, as well as he wanted to early in the game uh, against the Dodgers. But, yeah, I, I wanted to go out there and pitch well for him. I know how hard he's been working. I know, I know the frustration that he's feeling. And he looked me square in the eye the first couple of days of spring training and said, I just want to make sure you understand something, Tori. Nobody wants to win more than me. Nobody wants to win a world championship more than me. And I know what i got to do to uphold that. So I know he wants to go out there and pitch well for himself. Here for this ball
0: club. There's a lot of older pitchers right now that really seem to be struggling with the pace and having to you know pitch a lot faster. You know Scherzer and there's, there's been a lot of guys. You know and there's, there was some numbers guys 36 and older. The ERA is about mm-hmm. two runs higher than it was last year for the same age group. How much of a factor do you think it is for an older guy to have that 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 pitch
1: you know that pitch clock now where they've
0: got to play at such a pace that they're not used to?
1: Yeah, I'm. I wouldn't have said much earlier, and um, maybe mid spring training, I would have said, yeah, it's just going to be the same. But I'm watching some of, some of these pitchers get get uh, whammied out there and throw 25, 30 pitches, and they're just gas out when they're coming back, coming back out field. And not necessarily just our guys. I'm watching I'm watching the opposition very, very closely. So, yeah, I, I, somebody asked me that in mid spring training, and I kind of I swept it off with saying, no, nah, I don't think 15 seconds is too much. Their guys will be fine. They're in shape. They work hard for that. I think there's some adjustments here. I think there's something that's going on this first month of the season. We're all getting used to it and I certainly think the pitchers are, from a fatigue standpoint and a stamina standpoint, trying to get a feel for this. They'll get better. I just think it's such a new normal. They don't know how to, how to do it yet, but they will.
0: You know, As a manager, if you've got a pitcher that has a real laboring inning, where he's tired, he's exhausted, you're always able to do something on the other end. You do tell your batters, hey, you know, take your time going up to the plate, take a pitch, step out. You try to buy him a minute, two minutes, three minutes if you can. I mean, you don't have the ability to to do that anymore?
1: Yeah, you're right. There, there's definitely a strategy, right? You can see teams slow play it. They'll, they'll pick up the rosin bag. Once we get back in the dugout after a long thirty pitch inning for our pitchers, they'll pick up the rosin bag as they're walking up the home plate. fall, go back, talk to the talk to the um, on deck hitter, and just take their time and just be creative with ways to create a little bit of space and time between pitches or between that first pitch. And it, as a result, I've had to ask our guys several times already this year to take a strike. So it's not—it's it, it, obvious for the baseball fan that when you're taking a strike after a long inning, but we've got to do it several times, and and that impacts the at bat, especially when you're facing a guy like May or Kershaw, where they're just filling up the zone with really good stuff. And and when you're walking up there, 0-1 puts you in a very difficult position. So one side of it gets better, the other side will start to produce a little bit, but. That's why it's such a team sport. It's a team sport in areas where guys don't even think about. Nobody knows. The fans probably don't even know how many times that I've asked the player to go up there and take a strike for the simple fact that we don't make a first pitch out we've got to give our starting pitcher a little bit of rest. That's that's part of the game that I love. Our guys will do it. They won't even bat an eye, and they're out there to do it for one another. Joey, sure,
0: we appreciate the conversation as always. Best of luck tonight and this upcoming week. We'll talk to you a week from today, okay?
1: Okay, boys. Talk to you soon.
0: Troy the Velop joining us on the Arizona Sports Line exclusively here on the Burns and Gambo Show. When we come back three weeks from today, we will know what the Cardinals will have done in the first round. Right now, we're still left to sift through the mocks. A lot of speculation, a lot of options. We'll go through them next on Burns and Gambo. The Burns and Gambo need to know. Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. Well, look who's back. Eric Ruby, today's Twitter poll question of the day: How
2: you feeling, kid? You all right? I'm a lot better today. Lot allergies better today.
0: Allergies, huh?
2: Man, those. Hey, try having bad allergies on the windiest days of the year while moving into a new apartment that has broken windows. Not oh, a good god. time.
0: Oh god. All right. Not a
2: good time. All right. Well, you're back. You sound like you got some energy, some juice, and
0: you got a poll question for us too. So it's good to have you back on board. What you got for us today?
2: Good to be back. The question today revolves around all NBA teams this year. Now, next year, no Suns player would be qualified to Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, because they haven't played 65 games. But that's next year. This year, how many members of the Suns do you think will make an all-NBA team? Do you think it'll be one with Kevin Durant, one with Devin Booker, or none at all?
0: I don't think they oh, get... Oh, I'm going to say none. I don't think they're going to get any at all. I don't think they're going to get any. I, I, I caught a sneak peek of your question, and I thought... I think the Durant hasn't zero. played enough games. Yeah, I, I I think it's zero. It's just when they've, they've Book missed, missed a lot of games, so they're miss games. the All Star game. Maybe Book. Yeah. Um. Well, Book. You know, he missed the games were early. That's why he didn't make the All Star team. Yeah, but, but he played so well so in March. Well. To think that he couldn't get like an All NBA third team. Yeah, give me Book. Give me Book. I'll take Book. Alright, you know what? I talked to myself in a book too. Give me a book. What's the audience say?
2: Audience says it's about a 50-50 split on yes or no, will one make it? 55% leading the way say no Suns will make an all-NBA team this year. In second place at 23.7%, they're favoring Kevin Durant to make an all-NBA team. And at 21.2%, it's Devin Booker. So it's a 55-45 split for none will make an all-NBA team, and then one will make an all-NBA
0: I like this quote. It really made me think because it's you know when you talk about what qualifies you to be on an all nba team and and the games you've missed and perception and things like that all right that's a good one you can find it on the burns and gambo twitter page at burns and gambo one word on twitter is where it's uh, at so three weeks from today Right, If I'm doing my math right, yes, three weeks from today. The first round will be done. The second round will be an hour away from getting underway. We'll know. We'll know what the Cardinals did. We'll know if they stayed put and took Will Anderson. We'll know if they traded down. Did they trade down a spot? Did they trade down a couple spots? Did they trade down a bunch of spots? Well, no. In the meantime, Gambo, the speculation continues to run all over the place. And I I like what you've done, and I kind of wish I'd done the same thing with my email to you. At this point, we've seen so many mocks that have Will Anderson at number three. Yes, like it's okay. We get it. They stay at number three. They're taking Will Anderson as yes. long as he's there. As long as he doesn't I get just eliminated them. Yeah, uh, there are still mock drafts that have the Cardinals moving down one spot and taking Will Anderson. So we'll still you know look at those, especially to see how much Indianapolis is giving up to move up a spot. I'm I'm still intrigued by those. But we've got a whole batch of mock drafts here that are suggesting different options for the Arizona Cardinals. You want to? Start with your email and some of the things that you saw in your mock drafts. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so got one here, a four-round mock draft from NFL.com. Love this one. They have, I do too, Um, they have the Colts moving up one spot to number three. And the Cardinals moving down one spot and taking Will Anderson at number four. Yes, and it says that, uh, that they take Will Anderson at number four. I don't think it really tells me what they get. Doesn't look like it. It says in, in Arizona invested two third-round picks last year to bolster the defensive front, Cam, You know Cam Thomas, Majai, uh, Majai Sanders. But Anderson's value on the edge is too good to pass up here. Now, the interesting thing, you know what I like about these drafts, isn't the player but the position. Pick 34, Cardinals taking an offensive tackle, Darnell Wright out. Out of Tennessee. Love that. Pick 66, taking a cornerback, Darius Rush, out of South Carolina. I love that. Pick 79, they go with a running back, Chase Brown, out of Illinois. Okay, I can live with that. I can live with that. Right? Then they go projected trade with Kansas City. So this is the DeAndre Hopkins trade presume. right here. Yep. yep. So that's pick number 96. So I imagine that's the last pick of the third round that Kansas City gives up to get the. Andre Hopkins, and then the Cardinals take Alabama defensive tackle Byron Young. Then they go at a wide receiver from Wake Forest with pick 105, and then another cornerback at pick 106, a kid named Cottrell Clark from Louisville. So I like to look at the positions and the players, but what's interesting about this one is you could tell that they had DeAndre Hopkins going to Kansas City for the final pick of the third round. Yeah, and I, I do have a draft profile for Darnell Wright, the offensive tackle out of Tennessee that they have the Cardinals taking with well, you the do first have one, pick huh? of the second round. Okay. I do. Uh, Darnell Wright was voiced by one of the new crew, so either Zach Jarrett or who am I forgetting? Eric? Jesse, thank you. Zach, Jarrett, or Jesse? I'll take Jesse. I'm gonna still my turn to pick first. It is. Yes. I'm gonna go with Jarrett Carlin. Darnell Wright. Offensive tackle. Tennessee. While not the most athletic. Wright has tremendous size and strength that limits both pass rushers and run stoppers. His timing is a bit slow, and he tends to struggle with his hand placement on blocks, but has great push and power, even against double teams. NFL Tom, former Chargers first-round pick, DJ Fluker. Right, there you go. You get the gauntlet back. I, I get, okay, next some, get it get to yes. gets right, some, I get the pick first. Yeah, the pick first. I get the pick first. There you go. All right, here's another one that you came up with. This is from USA Today. Well, like this one. A mock draft. You do? You like this one? Yeah, I like this one. Okay. It has the Cardinals executing a trade with the Tennessee Titans. Right, because it tells me what they're getting. Titans moving up to number three from 11. Mm -hmm. Tennessee trades number 11, a third rounder, a fifth rounder, and a first next year in exchange for the number three pick and a fourth rounder from the Cardinals. So a first and a fourth. Yeah. For two ones, a three, and a five. Now, the interesting thing here, okay, the interesting thing, because normally I would say that's not enough. But let's just assume that Tennessee is going to be bad next year. Just assume they're going to be bad. They've gotten rid of so many guys. They're really kind of starting over. That could end up being a really good pick. I could be a top five pick if Tennessee really struggles. Top six, top seven. So it makes it intriguing. I don't think the package overall is overwhelming. You know, a two firsts, a third, and a fifth, but you give up number three and you give up a fourth. Yeah. But the intriguing thing is what Tennessee's pick next year could be. You could have two top five picks next year if could. you're the Cardinals, potentially, depending on how yeah. bad you're going to be. And well, you're going to be bad. Trust I, me, I, they're going to be bad. I think they're going to be bad too. They have the Cardinals at number 11 taking the corner out of Oregon Christian Gonzalez. We have played his profile, I remember who it is you should, too. Yeah, Maloney. Yeah, it's Maloney, right? Here's Christian Gonzalez. Christian Gonzalez, cornerback Oregon.
2: Gonzalez was as big of a winner as anyone at the NFL Combine. He posted a 4-3-8 40-yard dash, 41 half inch vertical, and 11-foot 1-inch broad jump that caught many eyes around the NFL. He's an explosive cornerback that made 12 starts in 2022 at Oregon, where he posted 50 tackles, 7 pass breakups and a team-leading four interceptions, ultimately earning himself first-team All-Pac-12 honors. At 6'1 and 197 pounds, Gonzalez has the desired size and athletic traits to match up against opposing teams' number one receivers. His technique will get away from him at times, but he has all the ingredients to become a true CB1 at the next level. NFL comp, former Cardinals cornerback Dominique Rodgers-Cromartie.
0: What I'll say about this, is they need beef on the offensive and defensive lines badly. Badly. But after Will Anderson, and I I think I'll put Tyree Wilson in there too, this is the next best player you can get. This is the best player at his position by far. You need great players. Yes, you want to fill a need on the defensive line and the offensive line, but if he's there, at 11, if you made this trade and he's there at 11, how do you not take the best cornerback in the draft when you need cornerback help? I still think corner is a need. Maybe is not oppressing a, a need as the offensive line or defensive line, but corner to me is a premium premium position in this league that you cannot have enough good at, and you're right. They don't have great at it. we Will Swing back to this a little later, we'll tell you about another mock draft. One that has the Cardinals making a trade with the Detroit Lions. The Lions not moving up for a quarterback, but they have the Lions moving up for Will Anderson. And the Cardinals taking Jalen Carter at number six. We'll talk about that one a little bit later on Risky in the show. Very, very risky indeed. But when we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, this idea that the Suns are trying to hide things from the Lakers tonight or the Clippers on Sunday.
1: ludicrous, says one of the Suns' and stars that's next on the Burns and Gambo show.